Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Jersey Educator Podcast, the podcast created by NJEA members for NJEA members. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our show. My name is Jeff Bradbury. And my name is Jim Boyce. And thank you so much for taking the time to make the Jersey Educator part of your professional development for your learning experiences. Jim, we have a great show today. We're going to be talking to Mark Howie, an HVAC teacher from the Gloucester County Institute of Technology. And he's going to be sharing with us some of the innovative things he's doing in his classroom with his teachers and students. Jim, tell us a little bit about Mark. Oh, I met Mark at the Teacher Leader Summit uh, a couple months ago and just got into this conversation with him about this really innovative uh, mastery learning technique he uses with his class. Uh, he's been a teacher since 2001, and he's just always searching for a different innovative ways to connect with his students and make his course relevant. So we'll have Mark coming up a little bit later in the show, but first there's a lot of great things happening in the NJEA. Jim, tell us a little bit about some of the upcoming events. So, um, yes, yeah, so the month of May is just about upon us, and we have uh, another one of our Twitter chats, which we've been doing on the first Monday of every month. Our next one is May 2nd, and this one will focus around volunteerism. Uh, members will be invited to come on, follow us uh, at the hashtag NJEA chat, and tell us your causes, uh, what you feel passionately about, what you get involved in in your own communities, in, in your, your county, your state, or even across the world. Are there uh, a so lot of opportunities, Jim, in the NJEA for volunteering? Uh, absolutely. Um, through, through our pride program, Jeff, which gives um, grants to our members to help them connect with their school communities. There's a lot of opportunities to get involved in uh, whatever is um, available in your school community, whether it be a dog shelter, a food kitchen, a homeless shelter, you can build a pride grant around those. And where do we go to find more information about these pride grants? Uh, you can go to NJEA.org and uh, select at the top there, Parents and Community, and then click on Pride in Public Education, and you can sign in to get even more access, and you can actually access the grant application itself, and you can talk to your um, local association president to learn more about it. You know, these Twitter chats that are happening every single night, it seems, are a great way for members to not only connect, but to have constant professional development people always ask me why are you on twitter what do you do and i always say it's the largest professional development party that never sleeps and it's 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 amazing what's out there and i'm happy to see and share that uh njea is doing one jim one more time what is the hashtag for the njea twitter chat njea chat nice and uh, we're going to be having a little tour of the american labor museum when is that jim Oh, that is May 21st. Uh, it's it's going to be for three PD hours offered by the American Labor Museum, which is the only museum of its kind in the country. It's right here in New Jersey in Passaic County in Halden. And uh, we're going to start the event at 10, uh, do a tour of the museum, learn about all the great history that's happened there, uh, starting with the 1913 uh, silk manufacturing strike and just continuing uh, throughout the 20th century into today. That's fascinating. I didn't know anything about the silk manufacturing strike. Absolutely, uh, a, a very large strike. Patterson uh, was founded as a city based on its water supply. Uh, it was an excellent place to make silk. 
and uh, the the looms there, the factories uh, was really um, a place where the labor movement uh, in this state, uh, you could make an argument, I think, uh, started. That is amazing. And, and somebody who has recently moved to North Jersey, I, I definitely will certainly check that out. That's May 21st, uh, a PD event happening three hours, a tour and exploration of the American Labor Museum. So, Jim, I want to get to our interview time here today. Today, we're talking to Mark Howey from Gloucester County Institute of Technology. It is so nice to have you here, Mark. Welcome to the show. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you guys so much for having me. It is nice to see you here. Uh, somebody who's teaching HVAC, not something you see a lot in the uh, state of New Jersey or in for high school students. Tell us a little bit about the Gloucester County Institute of Technology and, and what is your role there? Uh, Gloucester County Institute of Technology is one of the premier vocational schools in South Jersey. Uh, we do very well when we go to the state uh, competitions and all of the different uh, vocational student uh, technical organizations, and uh, we pride ourselves on a great academic and also great hands-on training at our school. And what areas does the Gloucester County Institute of Technology serve? What, what school districts are around there that uh, a student can uh, enroll from? There's, um, uh, I believe, 13 districts send out of Gloucester County. Uh, there's the Clearview, Kingsway, uh, Washington Township, one of the many Washington Townships of New Jersey, um, I believe Gateway, so on and so forth. And, but uh, and, it's a it's all all of Gloucester County. And and what type of of students would be eligible to go to something like GCIT? Are these students that are interested in, in automotive? I know you said HVIC. Is this also a place where you can learn CAD and design? Or because I'm seeing a lot of these things are being pulled back into the schools as STEM courses. Um, tell us a little bit about the overall curriculum there at GCIT. The overall curriculum uh, is, uh, for the most part, academies and vocational uh, career tech ed. And we have everything from engineering to allied health to business and finance. And then we have uh, construction trades, which is carpentry, welding, electrical, myself, HVAC, and uh, plumbing. And then we also have things like um cosmetology, culinary, automotive, uh, dance and drama. We, we, we have a good spectrum at GCIT. Great stuff, Mark. And uh, just thinking of our listeners out there, our members tuning in, um, it, it, it's my understanding and maybe an assumption that each of our counties has at least one of these uh, vo vocational schools. Uh, would that be correct, do you think? That is correct. Every single county has a career tech ed and also known as a vocational school. Um, and it's kind of in that transition stage. And it's one of those things that is um, important to every community and every county. And I think it's uh, important to bring up the importance of uh, some students aren't college bound, some are college bound. And the ones that necessarily are um, hands-on learners and want to go right out to work after they graduate high school. They also have the ability to take college courses while they're in high school, but they also have the ability to take those courses after they graduate and while they're still earning and learning at the same time. Awesome. Just awesome. And uh, Mark, why don't we kind of step back here? We, we've heard a little bit about your role and where you are now. Um, you and I met at the NJA Teacher Leaders Summit a couple months ago, and you're our second member uh, from the summit to come on the show, and we may have one or two more 
around the corner. But uh, you you have an interesting story to to your journey of how you you became a vo vocational educator, and I think our viewers would enjoy hearing that. Yes, uh, I graduated from GCIT. And I loved it there. I was involved with Skills USA. I went right out into the field, became pretty successful pretty quickly because of my um, learning at GCIT. I was I, I springboarded to become a foreman and things like that. And I, I always kept it in my mind that I wanted to come back to GCIT to be a teacher there. I really enjoyed that. And um, as soon as my teacher retired, that position opened, and I I came right in and hit the ground running. Loved every minute of it. Oh, great. And what year was that, Mark? That was in 2001. Okay, so uh, so 15 years ago. Well, well, congratulations for that. That is quite an investment in public education. And uh, thank, thank you for coming back to public uh, education the way you did. So, so Mark, the, the reason you're on the show um, is because at the Teacher Leader Summit, I heard a little bit about your, just this innovative way to take, take a look at your classroom and design it, uh, make it a little more pur purposeful to meet your students' needs. And why don't we dive into some of that? So, so Mark, why don't you, well, well first of all, um, why don't you start out by telling us what your class was like in 2001, in 2002, in those first couple years? In those first couple years, I was, I was almost doing the same thing that my teacher kind of taught me. And I was just trying to find new and innovative ways to teach it to a younger group of kids because I remember being in that seat not too long before. And I was trying to design lessons so that the hands-on and the, and the academic part of it or the theory part of it matched up very well. And everybody was doing the same thing. And I, I started to realize that as the years went on and as technology really started to improve, it, it wasn't hitting everyone the way it used to. Um, and right around that time, it was in my 10th year, um, I started to hit that, that wall of teaching and uh, looking for new and different things. And our school at that time adopted McCrell and uh, classroom instruction that works, CITW strategies. And I realized they were teaching me things that I was already doing. I just didn't know the right way of doing them. And uh, one of the major things with all the new um, observation systems was, how do you hit every single thing on that checklist when they come in and do it? And I just started letting my uh, brain try and work that out. Um, and it really happened at the same time where I, I watched uh, Sir Ken Robinson's TED Talk about keeping creativity in the classroom. And I decided to do everything all at the same time. Uh, and it is a station-based rotational style of learning for students to learn and teach each other all at the same time. And they're all doing different things uh, simultaneously. Yeah, and and when when I heard about this, uh, it it brought to my mind a term that um, isn't used a whole lot. Uh, mastery learning is is kind of where my mind went uh, because as the students do this little rotation, well, not little, do the rotation, um, they really get the hang of uh, things a lot more, I would think. Yes, and when you start to be able to teach it to someone else, that is when you really start to understand it. So it's it's the mastery level, and we work now off of um, a progress chart, 
Uh, and eventually, one of the things that we're going to do is take that progress chart and link it to standards. Um, so it's it's evolving even now. And the more I do this station-based, the more the kids can actually contribute to it and tell me what works and what doesn't work. And they really have some say in it. And it really has the ability to continue to grow each year and get fine-tuned and uh, massaged, for lack of a better word, to become a better system each and every year that you do it. So it doesn't ever get boring or uh, stale. And it uh, it really, it's, it's exciting every day to see how the, it can be tweaked and moved in a um, better direction. So... So you, you come in in 2001, 2002, uh, brand new to the profession, and you start, start doing things the way they've always been done. And then a light bulb goes off somewhere, and you're, you're trying something different. Uh, I'm trying to visualize the way may, maybe your, your learning space is set up. Uh, is there any way you, you could provide a little more detail to our listeners out there, kind of how it all works? And then we can talk about how this might apply to some other sub-subject areas too? Uh, well, the, the way I, I figured that it would work best for me is if I took, I had six tables in my shop uh, space and I decided to take six fundamentals of the HVAC and refrigeration trade. Uh, so I set it up as um, one of them is control wiring because of the trade. Uh, 80% of the problems are electrical. Then the next one was hands-on, putting gauges on, taking measurements of air conditioning and heating systems. A third one was gas piping. Uh, a fourth one then is ductwork and mechanical things like learning how to use different tools to cut and so on and so forth, take apart a compressor, put it back together. Um, the next one is brazing, which involves a form of welding, but it's copper to copper. And then the last one is... Uh, insulation station where they learn how to insulate pipe. So then what happens is as they rotate through on a weekly or bi-weekly basis, they are rotating against different grades in the classroom. And as they do that, the different grades get to teach each other while they were at that station. And it kind of starts working like gears and cogs. And uh, I like to call it clockwork. And what really gets to be really interesting is I get to walk around and instead of becoming a helicopter teacher, I get to ask, how are we doing? And being out in the trade for many years, uh, my last name being Howie, it, the joke on the job site was, how we doing? So I turn that bad joke into my style of teaching and call it how we doing rotation. So I walk around and check up on them <laughs> and I give them little tidbits about how they can be doing things better. And instead of always hovering over them and telling them what to do, I let them kind of figure things out on their own. And then I come in only when I see when they can probably use a little help. So, so I'm, I, I'm a student in your class, uh, Mark, and I'm on the, the third step, which I think you said was piping. So mm -hmm. I, I, I go to your classroom that day. I go to the third workstation and my, and I'm working with my classmates on some task or project around piping. Yes, that's correct. Okay. And, 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 and how many students per station? Is it just kind of mixed it's, or? It's usually at the minimum two and at the maximum four. Okay. And, and how many students in, in the program total in, 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 in the room total? It's usually right around 18 
that we have in a classroom. We try and cap it right around there because that's when it becomes a manageable class. Um, and anything above that usually is a rough uh, time to try and manage. Uh, we've done it before. And in the past, my first year of teaching, I think I had 26. But uh, in, in today's day and age, we were trying to keep it at that manageable magic number of 18. Wow. Uh, very nice, uh, nice size to work with. Uh, so Mark, th- this is really great. Um, I, I can visualize it a little better now. I can see the clockwork kind of happening in my head as the students work through, uh, really getting to dive deep into this. And Mark, uh, how, how might this apply to other subject areas? If we have a language arts teacher listening in or a, a math teacher listening in, do you have any thoughts on that? I, I do. Uh, my first time I decided to teach this uh, at my district level first, um, a few of the teachers really jumped on it. And at the time, the uh, carpentry teacher decided to do this and he loved it. It really organized his classroom. The students were all doing different things at the same time. Whenever somebody came in to observe, he got very high markings uh, the students really enjoyed it because they were retaining more. They were teaching it to each other. Um, and then what happened was some of the academic teachers started really enjoying this. Um, right now, I would say the biggest proponents of it uh, in my district are the health and phys ed. It was really easy for them to adapt in the classroom for the uh, like CPR and driver's education and very easy for them to adapt it outside or even in the gym to station-based learning different fundamentals of different sports. Uh, So uh, it's really started to take off in my district uh, with the people that were interested. And then I taught it at the NJEA convention in 2014 and 15. And I have a little bit of a following of of those people that attended those workshops. And um, I proposed to do it again in 2016 for the NJEA and have just recently proposed to take it nationally out in Las Vegas for the ACTE convention. That is amazing. And we, we will certainly cross our fingers for you. And uh, it, it, it makes sense how this could apply, this clockwork um, could apply to pretty much anything because a lot of what we teach is based on steps and you you move through a process to get to a final goal and it helps kind of slow things down i think and i i just love it i think it's amazing and um mark we're, we're just about out of time but um right what's next for your classes and any thoughts on that uh, what's next is i'm always looking for ways to improve it and each year uh as different incoming classes become more technologically advanced and trying to incorporate technology with it, um, more ways to spiral it. Um, One of the new things that I've recently done was spiral the curriculum. We don't go through the book once in one year. We go through the book many times in one year, going back over things and getting more and more in depth with that. And that it really seems to be working and the students really enjoy it. So um, it's kind of like unlocking new levels of their learning and getting them excited uh, about learning again and uh, trying to, they're always trying to work the system and try and figure out different ways to, to score higher on things without actually knowing it and always trying to be a, a little few steps quicker than they are so that they are 
always learning and never trying to work that system. Hey, Mark. Inspiring, Mark. That, that, that's great. Uh, spiral the curriculum. And, and Mark, I'll, I'll give you the final word here. Um, so you're our first vocational educator to come on the program. So thank you for that. And uh, how does our discussion today kind of raise that status of our vocational education programs? And Jeff um, uh, alluded to that in his introduction. Um, why are these programs important? Well, the career tech ed, I think, is very important for the students that aren't always uh, just ready to go to college. They, they learn by doing things hands on. Um, they, they really are at school and they're almost at risk of uh, dropping out or things like that. And then they learn to love to learn again when they come to a vocational career tech educational uh, institution. Um, the president of the New Jersey State Board of Ed just recently spoke uh, about if he could turn half of the schools in the state of New Jersey into vocational career tech ed, he would because of how much more successful students are when they graduate and ready to deal with the problems of the world or uh, even go to college. So I think it's we're, we're teaching trades and things that can't be outsourced and giving kids pride and things that they do. And they they come back and they they love being a part of our, our school district and our alumni and things like that. And in a way, it almost becomes like a private public school in that, that sense. Um, the students get to earn while they learn. They get to go out on school to careers. Uh, and uh, one of my students is 23 or 24 years old. He has zero college debt. He owns and runs his own company, has his own house and car and jet skis and things like that. And it makes us happy to see those types of situations as well. Um, and the teachers at these schools tend to be a little different because they, the, almost the majority of them have come from the industry that they now are teaching to the students. So they, they come with a different mindset of uh, public education and they really wanna give back and get these students to go out and be really successful. You know, Mark, I'm, I'm curious about something. You said you've been teaching since 2001. There's been a lot of change in education. There's been a lot of change in technology. What have you seen as some of the major changes to your curriculum um, since that time? Um, obviously, things like HVAC has, has evolved due to technology, due to standards, due to things. But how are you or what are you teaching differently today that might not have been available to teach in 2001? Uh, the newest thing in HVAC, which is uh, really fun and interesting, is the smart thermostat and the smart home that is being linked to those types of things. And uh, be in, in my industry, I have to stay current. It's always changing. So things like the Nest thermostat or um, a Honeywell thermostat that does geofencing, uh, it's, it's all technology based and it's always currently uh, in flux um, and Everyone wants to be uh, the new company that can get into your house and make it a smart home. So I think that's what's the most interesting. But when I first started teaching, there were uh, pagers were still on kids' hips and things like that. And now it's all cell phones and Bluetooth this and that. And uh, keeping up with them, I think, is is a little bit harder than keeping up with HVAC. <laughs> You know, it, it's certainly great to see students out there working with their hands, trying to get into a trade, 
And, and Mark, congratulations for all your success. Thank you so much for doing what you do. And please come back on the program. We would love to learn more about your successes and uh, share some of your students' successes. Mark, where can we get a hold of you to find out more information about the things that you're doing? Uh, thank you guys for having me first. Uh, this has been great. But if you're interested in learning any more about the rotation, it's howwedoingrotations.com. And it's also how we doing rotations on there's a Facebook page um, and my uh, email is readily available on GCIT.org. I've taught this at other school districts and um, at the state level and looking to just spread the word on this. It's something so good that I just feel like I can't uh, hold it in. I've got to share it with people because once they start doing it, the kids and the, the teachers and the parents even love it. So it's just a win-win-win for, for everyone. Howie, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Jim, I want to say thank you one more time to Mark Howie. He has an amazing program, and uh, all of his links and stuff are going to be located in our show notes. If you're looking at, to find out more information about him or some of the things he's doing in his class, they're going to be found on our website. Jim, what is that address one more time for our podcast? njea.org slash podcast. And it is really, really nice, and we would appreciate it if you guys checked on our site over there. And also, we appreciate it when you go over to iTunes and download our show. Many people have many people have sub- sub- subscribed, and I noticed, Jim, recently we had our first iTunes review, and I just want to read it here because it's really, really sweet, and it says here, it's nice to hear a positive podcast coming from the NJEA. As a strong union advocate and fellow educator, I highly recommend it. Now, Jim, you said that you know the person that wrote this review. We don't have to give the name. That's certainly okay, but I want to say thank you out there to that teacher for doing so. And uh, if you would like to uh, say some nice things about our podcast, head on over to iTunes and uh, check it out. We love it when you get some ratings. You can go to iTunes and and do a search for Jersey Educator and leave us a five-star review and a rating today. We certainly love it. Uh, Jim, this is only episode seven, but we have a lot more podcasting on the way. And it is really, really neat to see so many educators getting into podcasting. I have to ask you, seven episodes in, are you having fun on this show? Jeff, I'm having a ball. There are so many things about creating podcasts. I recently did a show all about podcasting. And, you know, it doesn't take a lot for a teacher to put together a podcast. And, and in fact, we always try over on the TeacherCast Network to answer the question, can you podcast for free? And you know what? So often the answer is yes. Yes, you can. You don't have to go out and buy microphones. You don't have to go out and rent audio storage space you can you can podcast with google drive you can podcast on ipads for free you can podcast on chromebooks for free there's a lot of neat things that you can do with audio recording heck you can put a recorder in your pocket during the lessons that you're giving and you can record your 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 teaching lessons and you can have those saved so that way if a kid doesn't come to class that day perhaps he's out they have your lessons they have your materials you are in fact flipping your classroom. Jim, there's of course a lot of great upcoming conferences here coming up on April 11th. We have the Google Educator Group Power Hour um, featuring Jonathan Rochelle. We certainly hope that you have a chance to check that out. On April 16th, we have special ed camp that's going to be happening. On April 30th, we have ed camp Garden State. And uh, the big one coming up here in the New Jersey area, we have May 14th 
we have Ed Camp Philly. Jim, there's a lot of great Ed Camps coming out. I know the NJEA members are all in full force when these things come out. So lots of great PD, lots of great stuff. And again, all the show notes are going to be up over on our show notes page. Check those out. Jim, we had a great show today talking to Mark Howie. Next episode is going to be featuring what New Jersey educator? Oh, we have a a, uh, a a member from Union County, um, the Summit School District. Her name is Melanie Lemmy, and she's going to tell us a, a different kind of story, um, wh- which I found very compelling, and uh, frankly, which I actually went through, where I got the call one day that I was going to be told I was teaching something different, doing something new, and it's very easy to go to a negative place when we get that news. Uh, but Mel just tells a story about how she really turned that around and uh, just some amazing things going on in her classroom. That is great. We look forward to seeing that episode and, 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 and having that out there for you. Jim, on behalf of everybody here, it has been a great seven episodes. I hope everybody listening has a chance to take a moment to go over to iTunes, give us a nice subscription, give us a nice rating and a five-star review. We certainly hope we can do that. Jim, is there any other great things happening in the NJA these days? Jeff, there's uh, there's always something happening. The best way to stay up to date with the Early Career Member Network is to check out our website, uh, njea.org slash early career members and go to the events place, uh, the events page. Uh, we have some events coming up uh, in the northern counties of the state. Uh, in late April, early May, which I think a lot of our uh, early career members would, would be interested in. And, of course, you can check out everything's happening in your neck of the woods over on NJEA.org. On behalf of everybody here on the Jersey Educator Podcast, my name is Jeff Bradbury. And my name is Jim Boyce. Keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students. <laughs>